You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Alana Inquirer podcast, and at long last, our first post-game podcast of the 2020 season. And woof, that isn't the way Illinois wanted to start. After all this talk that they're going to break through and they're going to be good this season and that they're ready to take on the Big Ten. Uh, the Big Ten opener, they get the Big Ten West King, Wisconsin, number 14 ranked team in the country, four of six Big Ten West titles. And Wisconsin showed that Vegas is pretty smart with their line. They crushed the Illini 45-7. to And with me tonight... Uh, he's been on the pod before, but never a post-game pod. It's Joey Wagner, Decatur Herald Review. And just for all you people, Joey and I are good friends, and we hadn't seen each other in seven months. So, Joey, it's good to see you, man. It's good to see you, man. It's been a long seven months. It was weird seeing some of the familiar faces today, a couple of them around Camp Randall. Yeah, not on Zoom for the first time in a long time. Well, Joey, we were sitting six feet apart uh, in in the press box First of all, let's talk about that. I know there's so much disappointment to react to, but we saw football tonight. And Illinois had a couple players missing tonight, but they said it wasn't due to COVID. Um, We pulled off a football game tonight. And while as disappointing as it is, um, and maybe this is a a dose of reality, or this is a dose of, hey, this is normalcy, Illinois getting beat by by Wisconsin. Um, But they pulled this off. And and kudos to the Big Ten, kudos to Illinois, kudos to Wisconsin, which, as we know, is struggling right now with everything with COVID. So I just think everyone deserves a round of applause for pulling this off. But it was weird. I I remember I was sitting there, Joey, during the national anthem, and it's just a playing of a band playing it. And I found myself, like, taking a deep breath because I was nervous leading up to this just because it's, like, the nerves of a game, right? I think anybody who covers a game even has a little bit of nerves and excitement going into a game. But I found myself almost emotional. Like I was tearing up a little bit because I'm like, this has sucked the last seven months. Like even for us who cover this, but I'm just imagining what those guys were thinking is finally we're able to play football and finally we get to do what we do. And, and, and that just like overtook me for a few moments. Um, we got to play football tonight and that was cool. The, the result wasn't cool for a lot of fans, but we had Big Ten football and that was awesome. You know, it's really interesting you say that because about that time I looked over to the right at the players in the tunnel and you can see, you know, they're kind of jumping around antsy to get out there. And I thought, I wonder what these guys are thinking. I mean, they were sent home abruptly in March. It was on again, off again, and just in in fighting left and right. And here they are looking out. There's no one out there, but we're about to do this. And I thought, man, I... I just don't know that I can even come close to putting myself in their shoes. And you're right. I mean, let's not overlook the magnitude of trying to put on sports in a pandemic. Leagues, NBA made it go off without a hitch, but it's not been going off without a hitch in college football. So to see it again and understand the work that goes into this and the COVID testing that these guys have to go through every day. I mean, there is a bigger picture to this than just this outcome and, and just how much it takes to make this thing move. All right, let's let's go here to the game where nothing really went right. There there are a few bright spots, and, and we'll get to those later on in this discussion. But if I as I look at the stats, Joey, the the one thing that sticks out to me is I kind of look down the defensive, like what Wisconsin did offensively: four hundred thirty yards, 
3.4 yards per rush. Uh, we see the completions. Graham Mertz had what a game he had 20 for 21, five touchdowns that he threw four. But if you would have told me the defense did that, not knowing the takeaway number, just the average numbers, I would have said they gave you a chance, right? But then you look at Illinois' offense, zero points, right? They, they average under five yards per pass, eight for 22 for 87 yards. That's almost That's under four yards per pass that they had. Rushing the football, they actually end up with 5.2 yards per rush, but a lot of that was Brandon Peters. The offense didn't score. The offense was 0 for 3 on fourth downs inside the Wisconsin 35-yard line. So I know the score is 45 points. You gave up 45 points. But I thought a lot of that was on the offense because the time of possession just really tells this story. I mean, I said the the fourth down stats, 0 for 3. I think that's a big part of it. But the time of possession was 43-28 to 16-32. Rod Smith, Brandon Peters, the entire line of offense – was awful tonight. After all that talk about how much better they'd be with all these weapons, they were awful. I don't mean to be recency about it, but I don't remember a time of possession that I've seen that is that lopsided. I mean, that, that's really simply unbelievable how lopsided it was. And it, it feels weird saying this, and you alluded to it a little. I don't know that I think the defense played that poorly. The third quarter, they gave the offense a chance several times. I thought the front four, which was my concern coming into this, Played really well, and it was fourteen to seven. That's what's what's so crazy to me. It was fourteen to seven with three twenty-two to halftime, and you think, get in there at that, count your blessings, high five each other, whatever you can do, and come out for the second half. And in three minutes and twenty-two seconds, Graham Mertz just the, the defense bent and bent, and then he broke it. He just broke it with three passes, six plays, one hundred and twenty-five yards, and I mean that's really the story. Three twenty-two is the story. And it's hard to circle back from that. But frankly, the defense did it by holding – they held them without points when they came out and got the ball, gave the offense a chance, and the offense just – oh, boy. Well, even after that, that's busted coverages by the safeties. It's two deep safeties, Sidney Brown and Derek Smith, and somebody busted. we got to go back and watch the film. But Derek Smith got benched, okay? So I'm going to guess it was Derek Smith who got – uh, put in the starting lineup because Devin Witherspoon was out for this game with injury. So Tony Adams had to move again back to cornerback, which kudos to Tony Adams for taking another one for the team with all the moving he's had to do. That was a big fault. They couldn't cover the middle of the field. Jake Ferguson uh, was great again, three touchdowns. Only struggles to cover the tight end. And Graham Mertz was awesome. You, you can see why he was a top 100 recruit. Uh, but I do think the defense, even after that, Joey, uh, in, in the end of the first half, there's 28-7 going in the fourth quarter. And the offense had its chances inside the 40-yard line, 35-yard line, actually a 30-yard line, three times, and weren't able to convert on fourth down. That's a problem for the offensive lines, a problem for the running backs, and it's a problem for the quarterbacks and the play caller. So I come out of this game, yes, more concerned about the offense. And what I find myself asking, Joey, is what is Rod Smith, what does this offense want to be? Because last year they had Brandon Peters and Rod adjusted his offense to him. And then you saw him adjusted again late in the season where Brandon ran more. And Brandon ran really well tonight. I thought going into the season he needs to run more. It opens up the offense. Um, but Brandon was not sharp. He missed several open guys. Seemed to lock into Joshi Matorbebe, though he did not think he did that. But the targets would suggest otherwise. Um, and uh, I just Rod putting in Isaiah, I get it. 
I guess he was great in practice the last couple of weeks, and that's why they wanted to get him in, but it also messed up the flow. Uh, Brandon even mentioned the fourth and two that Isaiah was in, then they brought him in. I found that odd because Isaiah seemed to spark their running game. I just don't know what Rod, if he knows what he wants to be with this offense, with Brandon Peters as its quarterback, with Isaiah Williams, this intriguing weapon behind him, and then we didn't see any of these tight ends really get used. We didn't see Brian Hightower really get used. Donnie DeVaro was open uh, several times. So what do you think they should be, or what do you think Rod wants them to be? That's a good question. I I think the strength of Brandon Peters is his arm. This, this has been the strength of Brandon Peters for a lot of times. They got the weapons to play into that strength. So I, I really don't know where the – the discrepancy was to find some of these weapons. I mean, look, the, the stats that we have here, I, I don't know the exact, you know, how right it is, but I think it's good enough to tell you 10 targets for Joshy Matter Bebe. Duh. That makes sense. He's Joshy Matter Bebe. He's the best receiver you have. But the next closest is Daniel Barker at three. That's, that's a big difference. And then the next after that's a bunch of guys with one. I mean, that, that's really, I mean, it's pretty clear. I mean, maybe Brandon did go through his reads as he said that he did, but. He ended up on the, the same guy quite a bit, and it looked like Wisconsin was ready for that. Well, and we both saw two plays. Donnie Navarro was open. Can you explain those? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, Don, look, I mean, one of them was probably a little more challenging just where Brandon was on the field to get Donnie, but he was pretty open on both of them. His high school coach said he can get open in a shoebox, and he does. He's not the biggest guy, maybe not the fastest guy, but he is very reliable, very steady at receiver, and he didn't. I don't believe he had a catch if I'm no. – no, he didn't have a catch. Luke Ford was targeted once. It was a low throw. It's just – it was surprising to me because it was, hey, Illinois is returning a quarterback for the first time since 2015. Hey, the offensive line, we know these guys. They've been around forever. They're good. Hey, Luke Ford, Daniel Matter, baby, Daniel Barker, Joshy Matter, baby, Brian Hightower, Casey. I mean, you can go down the list and you think – my goodness, how are they going to spread this thing around? There's truly a lot of guys, and it just didn't click. And I don't – It shouldn't. we should mention, Wisconsin's defense is really, really good. And I don't want to hide – you know, you know, forget to make that point. But, I, you know, I don't know, are they good enough to hold Illinois fewer than 100 yards passing? That, that's really the question that I have. Listen, I picked Wisconsin to score 34 points because I thought Illinois' defense would struggle. I thought Mertz would be good. I, I thought their running game would find enough, and I thought Jake Ferguson is really good. But I thought this Illinois offense could be legit. I, I thought Brandon Peters coming back for a second year, they'd be legit. I didn't even see Daniel Amato or Bebe on the field. And, and that's what's surprising is the guys they talked about who were good in camp or they were building up – Daniel Matorbebe, um, Brian Hightower we heard about, Chase Brown, who had three carries for 12 yards, and I liked the three carries that he had. I, they need some playmakers. I feel like there are some there, and I feel like they might lack that home run hitter. Maybe that's Isaiah Williams, but the way Rod used it all tonight and the way Brandon spread the ball out, it just didn't work. So now it's about how do you – figure all that out with one game. This is a team that obviously could have used non-conference games. This is a team that obviously needed some tune-ups, and it makes sense. I mean, Wisconsin, a lot of newcomers, like 
that are in the starting lineup, but these guys have all been a part of this offense. There's a lot of new parts here with Chase Brown and even Mike Epstein, who hasn't played much with uh, Brandon Peters and, and some of these receivers and tight ends that we're talking about. That's where you figure it out in the non-conference. They didn't have that this year, and I think that got exposed, and I think Rod figured out, like, I have to find a way to use these guys better. So I'm really interested to see their adjustment because this is one loss, as Lovey Smith said. Uh, it is just one in the loss column. It's an ugly one, and maybe this is what Illinois needs to wake up. But it's how do you react to this? Do you go on Twitter and complain? Do you complain in the media about how they use you? Like Brandon Peters was not happy with how much they used Isaiah Williams from the sound of it. Uh, we saw some parents on Twitter after this. I think Lovey Smith's a good coach to have right now when you have a loss like this, but how do all of them react? How does Rod react? How does he self-evaluate uh, this game as well? That's a really good question, and you're right. I think as I look at this, Lovey is a guy who he's really steady, but so is Brandon. And that was maybe – I don't think he ever looked rattled, but you know, he sounded like there was maybe a hint of frustration just in the flow of, of how the offense went. They don't have a home run hitter, or maybe they do, but we didn't see him. But my concern was there's a bunch of guys who can hit a single and a bunch of them who can hit a double. And I didn't see a lot of singles or doubles tonight. The fourth downs, Jeremy, oh, those were – it wasn't fourth and five, fourth and six where you had to figure it out. Two of them were two yards – or one or two yards, and the other one would have been one or two yards, but a false start pushed it back to six – and then it was just maddening from there. There was nothing happened. There was a holding, and that was the end of that. But these weren't I – mean, these were super manageable fourth downs. Where and I'm happy Lovey well, went for it. Usually he's settling for field goals against Wisconsin. Even when it was, I think, 21-7 they went for one. That's – you've got to go for them. I mean, you're not going to have many opportunities to score. So I was happy Lovey well, made the decision to go for it. But you've got to convert, and just the execution was awful. I thought the aggression on offense was – I, I like I liked going forward on fourth down, and I know maybe there's – I mean, it didn't work out, obviously. But that play, there was about a minute and six left, one timeout before halftime. They're down 21-7. to seven. Maybe in years past, they just run this thing out, get into the halftime. But I kind of liked that they went for it. It did not work in really grand fashion, and it broke it open. But it, that felt different to me. That felt like it was, hey, we really buy into what we've got here. And let's try to get this. Let's try to get one back. Let's make it a one-score game. They get the ball. So, I, I mean, I don't know. There was that aggression, which tells me that maybe there is some confidence in what they have offensively. And, there, frankly, there should be. I mean, we shouldn't sell this offense out of here. But there are some questions they've got to answer, and Rod's got to do some evaluation and understand why this happened and why this happened with the second-year quarterback in his system. We were only able to talk with Brandon tonight from the offensive side of things. Rod will get on Monday. That'll be very enlightening to be able to talk to him, especially after he watches the film. I think that'll be better that we get it Monday, uh, but we'll get some of those questions answered. We come back, let's talk a little, a little bit about a few bright spots that happened in this game. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Joey, I, I can think of two bright spots, both on defense and both in the front seven. Again, I thought until the final you know, quarter of this game and really the final two drives where Wisconsin was just bullying a tired Illinois defense, I thought the front seven played pretty well, especially against the run. They, they didn't get much of a pass rush, and Graham Mertz had a lot of time. So that's half the part of the game there. But I, I do feel they can stop the run. Um, and a big part of that was Tariq Barnes, who came in for Jake Hansen, who – I think we can speculate had a concussion that was scary. Uh, wobbly on the field. He left the game. Usually a concussion means you're going to be out for another week. But I liked Illinois' depth there. We saw Tariq Barnes last year in camp. Tariq Barnes came in, had 11 tackles in three quarters, a tackle and a half for loss, a sack, also had the fumble recovery, and we both saw that he forced one of those fumbles as well. Um, Sidney Brown jarred it loose, and then he just kind of came in and punched the ball to make sure it was free. And the ball squirts out to him, and, and he runs it for 39-yard touchdown, the only score Illinois had today. But he's a good football player. Um, and, you know, I think you've got a good thing at linebacker for now and the foreseeable future with Jake Hansen, Milo Leifler, Delano Ware. I thought Kalen Tolson played pretty well today. Uh, and then I think Shimon Cooper has a bright future as well. So Tariq Barnes made a great impression. And I, he's next week he's probably going to be in there at middle linebacker. Tariq Barnes is so interesting. We were talking about this, and I could be wrong. But that second, that February signing day, if I'm remembering correctly, I think he was the only guy – to sign on that. They had a lot of, obviously, all of the early signees in that class. But he was a guy that Miles Smith went and found out of Memphis. I mean, it was a really nice find for Miles. He looked good as a true freshman in camp last year. And this guy came in against Wisconsin and played really well in a, in a spot start, effectively. I mean, he played three quarters, and he, I mean, he was getting sacks. Obviously, the big fumble recovery, which was such a heads-up play because it looked to me like Sidney Brown – kind of jarred it loose, and I honestly thought Ferguson was going to get control of it again, and Tariq got in there and punched it, picked it up, and, and ran all the way, but he, he really is a bright spot. I mean, I good for him for stepping in and doing that and being prepared, and Roderick Perry, I mean, yeah. I, I probably stole your thunder on that a little bit, but he was he was just very, very disruptive in his first start, and the, you know maybe a little bit of the question was, well, this is a Big Ten and not the FCS, but it didn't matter to him. I thought he was really good. Yeah, the, the stat line doesn't do him justice, and it never does for defensive tackles for the most part unless you're Aaron Donald because you're so good you get the stats too. Uh, you only had three tackles, a half tackle for a loss, half sack. Um, but we saw it. He disrupted so many plays, and that's his job. Jamal Moen, that's what he did last year. Is Some of the stats didn't show up. I think he ended up with eight tackles for loss, four against Purdue. But – he was disruptive, consistently disruptive in the middle. I thought Jamal Woods played pretty well. Uh, I thought he disrupted a few things. Uh, I thought the DNs did a pretty good job run stuffing. I thought the corners were really physical, um, but obviously your pass defense was not good enough. I think a lot of that, the big plays uh, were the safeties down the middle. We talked about that with Derek Smith really struggling. Um, they've always struggled to cover tight ends, but I, I thought the linebackers did well there. But you did miss Isaiah Gay, and I think that's really disappointing that a guy who missed three games as a sophomore due to a violation of team rules 
misses this game because of a violation of team rules. So we saw Mark Mondesier out there a lot, but we didn't hear from him a lot. Uh, Keith Randolph played a little bit at strong side D end. Uh, didn't hear a lot from like, Seth Coleman or anybody like that. So that's the concern is, one, you were happy that the defensive line was able to step up, front saying able to step up and stop Wisconsin's rushing attack, but no pass rush. And, and that's where you miss a guy like Batiku not coming back for another year. Yeah, I mean, if there's ever a time to try to rattle a quarterback, it's a redshirt freshman making his first start. And he had a lot of time. I saw Lovey dial in a few blitzes. You got to do something to kind of shake the guy, and they didn't. Seth Coleman's a guy who will be a, a good pass rusher. And I don't know when that point is going to be. Obviously, he was so so thin coming in last year. Isaiah Gay, that's disappointing. We just talked with him a week ago, and you just got to wonder what happened. But for a senior who knows you're going to have a starting spot, this some, again, we don't know other than violation of team rules, but that's disappointing. Yeah, uh, It's going to be very interesting. I think most of the adjustments, like, defensively, the missed assignments, like what does Derek Smith learn from that? What does Sidney Brown or what do these guys learn from that? But for me, the biggest adjustments have to come on offense. And I, th- I think Rod's got to figure out how he wants to use Isaiah Williams. I think Rod needs to figure out how I use these tight ends. I, I just make it simpler, quick hitters. I, I feel like some of these were such long-developing plays uh, that just didn't work out. And I feel like Brandon can run some RPOs well. Um, I think you know you can get him out and, and run some zone read stuff. But I feel like it was just so long developing, and Brandon just didn't see the field all that well, and it felt like he just wasn't processing quickly. So they got a lot of adjustments to make, Joey, going into next week against Purdue team that will be without Rondale Moore against Iowa. They, I would imagine they're coming in 0-1 uh, as well. So that's going to be really how do you respond to this game. It's really going to be a measuring stick for both Illinois and Purdue most likely because both those teams have been trying to get out of the Big Ten West cellar Purdue fell down last year. Illinois kind of rose up. Where do we, we see those programs? So it's going to be a very interesting matchup in Champaign. One thing I'm looking for in this room is Devin Witherspoon. We saw this a little last year when Stanley Green missed some time and the defense Lovey had to kind of plug in pieces and reshuffle. But when he got the back four that he wanted, it was much better. So is Devin Witherspoon that guy that then you can move Tony back to safety and you're, you're more comfortable at your cornerback spot? Do things fall into place there? I mean, again, we have to see what this looks like at full health. But against Rondale Moore and David Bell, this is probably a, you got to get this thing moving. Well, I felt like an idiot. I actually wrote a little bit in our live updates. Like, Devin Witherspoon's a guy you guys should think about more because he's important. They think he's one of their best defenders. Um, he was great as a, as a true freshman, relatively for a true freshman. But I expected Marquez Beeson not to play a lot, right, because he's coming back from this ACL injury and – you know, from the talks of what Lovey was talking about, it's like he's not quite there yet with everything because he hasn't played a lot. Um, so it's not surprising me that Tony Adams filled in there. But now how does how do these guys respond? How do the coaches come back and say, okay, this is how we use these guys. And now that these guys got a little playing time, how do they uh, come back? Uh, just some interesting nuggets. James Frenchy, punt returner, took over for Kyron Cumbie after Kyron Cumbie didn't catch one. <laughs> I was joking with you. Uh, just catch the ball first. Is the first part of the job, and then run forward. If you do that, you got the job. Um, Reggie Love got a little carry there late, lost two yards. Uh, Jerzon Newton, uh, Johnny Newton was playing. Trayvon Riggins uh, traveled. Cooper Davis traveled. Blaze Sparks traveled. Tip Reeman, a tight end freshman, traveled. And Deuce Ban traveled as well. So those are your true freshmen who, who kind of got in. Any other thoughts, Julie? 
You got to figure out the offense. You got to got to figure out the pieces are there. That's that's what's different about this Illinois team. And I, I mean, I don't think one game I look at this and say, yeah, they got nothing. The pieces are there. How do these come together? What adjustments need to be made? And this is, I mean, really miss those non-conference games. Really, really miss them. And then to be honest with you, year three of Rod Smith, um, they have high expectations. There should be pressure. There, there should be pressure that you have to produce. Last year they were one of the worst offenses in the Big Ten. This year it should be better, right? And tonight was not a good start. Uh, but tonight does not mean the rest of the season will be that way, and that's on the coaches to make sure the rest of the season is not this way. Joey, appreciate it, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast.